The world is full of complainers. But the fact is, nothing comes with a guarantee. Drop it. Duncan and both come correct. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey everyone. Welcome to Duncan and Bo Come Correct. Uh, you heard that right. We're not going anywhere. Um, right. We we are not going to the X Files or Twin Peaks or True Detective uh, or Westworld. We're yet. not talk not not yet. Uh, we're we're not talking about uh, a pair of movies where it's not a throwback episode. Ooh, um, it is, in fact, our very first commentary. Oh, my. <laughs> You seem surprised. <laughs> and I'm prepared. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I mean, that fits our brand. So, folks, we are talking about uh, one of our mutual favorite films, uh, which mm-hmm. is the Coen Brothers' first movie, Blood Simple. And it, let me warn you up front. The M.M. at Walsh will come quick. <laughs> it, it will happen a lot. Over in Russia. Uh, we'll get to it. So, if that's, what, if that's what you're into, if that's the headspace you're in, listeners, then you've come to the right place. Uh, mm-hmm. So, don't expect to learn anything from this commentary. We're mostly just going to be talking about how great the movie is and, and pointing out stuff we love and also way too much M.M. at Walsh impressions. Oh, yeah, yeah. All the M.M. at Walsh impressions. In fact, every character in this movie is M.M. at Walsh. <laughs> yeah, but I, and I'll, I'll tell you, I haven't watched this movie in a while. Uh, oh, right. So as we're going through this, uh, I, I will probably say something stupid about what's going on in the scene and forget something later. So uh, anyway, all of that is just to say this is the same level of expertise that you have come to expect from Duncan and Boak, I'm correct. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so before we jump into it, though, let's uh, here's, here's how we're going to do it, right? Because we've oh, never right. done one of these before. Never. It, Duncan and I both have the Criterion edition of Blood Simple, which if you don't have it, you should get it. It's oh yeah, a beautiful transfer of the film, and it has all the you know extra shit Criterion does. It's a great, great copy. At any rate, uh, we are going to begin the film at the 15-second mark if you have the Criterion edition. If you do not, it is just at the moment that the Janus film logos has faded up. Mm -hmm. All right. And we're also going to play a little bit of the beginning audio uh, so that you can sync up there as well. So we're, we're going to do everything we can. And we'll also a little bit later in the film uh, try to provide a little bit of audio as well. So that uh, if you get lost somewhere in the, in the middle, you can sync up there as well. And, uh, and then if you fuck it up from there sorry you know (laughs) we can't do everything for you yeah (laughs) i like that (laughs) yeah Eh, you know we like to begin by attacking the audience uh who was kind enough to sit down and listen to us chit chat about uh uh blood simple so 
Uh, Duncan, before we take it away here, anything to add? Um, no, I'm really genuinely excited. We've we've had a couple of debates about this, and I, I dare say the debates will rage on through this. I I think I don't, I don't know. Like certain days, I think that this might be the best Coen Brothers movie. I know you think that's crazy, but I I, I think time will out. I think as a first movie, <laughs> like um, like you can. This is the Rosetta Stone to every Coen Brothers movie right here. Um, and I think they, you know, almost everything they've done, even the comedy stuff, links back to a lot of what they do in Blood Simple. I think it's a a pretty phenom movie, um, by a, a couple of a couple of dudes that have maybe one movie in their entire back catalogue that I don't like. So everything else, I think, is pretty much from really like to flat out love. So yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think what movie I genuinely don't like. I don't like their adaptation of the Lady Killers. Oh, I thought that, that I'm I'm kind of okay with that. I probably like uh maybe a Simple Man. I, oh, I, I think didn't mind. yeah, I, yeah, I think it's a good man. movie, yeah. but it's just kind of not for me. Uh which is weird. Uh, but then again, every time I think, well, I wonder if the Coen brothers have just kind of lost it. Yeah, yeah. Or, or they're just not making the kind of movies that they used to. And then they'll do something like Inside Lewin Davis, and you're like, oh, they're fucking amazing. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even, I'd like, I'd, like I'd, I was surprised that Hail Caesar didn't get as much press as it probably should have, because it's a really good movie as well. Yes. Um, I know I know it was nominated for an Academy Award and it didn't win, but um it was still a really, really good story. So um and they have no shortage. The thing you're gonna get when you watch any Coen Brothers movie is memorable characters. I think they're I think they are maybe the best directors at just introducing characters that you like what universe is this guy from? Um, and you just roll with it, whether it's like the, the nihilist from Big Lebowski um, or, you know, something like the strange kind of weird hermit hobo man and their version of True Grit. You know, you just get stuck with these really surreal one-off unique sort of style characters that just feel like they should be in this world, but at the same time shouldn't be. Um and I think they're, they're probably the best at doing it. Uh, and I'd like, I, they are, they're like, I mean, you, we talk, we, me and you have talked many times about runs, like directors that just have like a run, an unstoppable run of movies. And let me just shout some out here, Bo, and let, let's put things into perspective here. Blood Simple, Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, The Hudsucker Proxy, Fargo, The Big Lebowski, Oh brother, where art thou? Um, the man who wasn't there, you know, just that run from eighty four through two thousand one. There's maybe one movie which isn't great, but the rest of those movies, which, yeah. Which of those isn't great though? I think um, all of those are. I'm, I'm. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I am once again not the biggest fan of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou. I think oh, it's okay. a good movie, but I, I remember when it came out, I loved it, and I revisited it about two, three years ago, and I thought it was okay. I, I just didn't think it was great. Um, and yeah, but like if you look at that as a run of movies from '84 to 2001, that's like intimidating AF. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. 
Well, and, and just the trio of Blood Simple, Raising Arizona, and Miller's Crossing. And then mm-hmm. what was after that? Barton Fink? Barton Fink, The Hudsucker Proxy, Fargo, and The Big Lebowski. Right. Your first four films mm-hmm. are among the best American films of that era. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> all right. If, I mean, you, again, you don't ever have to make another good movie. They just keep doing it. Yeah. And and I still argue Inside Lumen Davis is one of the best Coen Brothers movies. It is I think it's I think it's an incredible movie. For me, I don't know what it is. Like every now and again, like there there's a part of me that the, the part of me that is like a like a seventy year old man who has a house out in the middle of nowhere and a rocking chair on a porch, uh loves no country for old men. Sure, sure. You know, I mean, there is yeah. something about that movie that I think the older I get, the more I appreciate Tommy Lee Jones's character in there, yeah. where I just realize that the world is fucked. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very similar in some ways to the Morgan Freeman character from Seven. Yeah, oh, uh, totally, totally. Where they're both characters who have seen the world start to decay under their feet. Mm. And, you know... Tommy Lee Jones is amazing in that movie. Oh my yeah. god! All right, all right. Such a good. So, yeah, I don't know. Let's just do them all. Yeah. Let's. You know, it's not the worst idea I've ever heard. So, <laughs> uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna do a three count. It's gonna be three, two, one, then go. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Lethal Weapon Two rules. <laughs> <laughs> And like I said, we're going to keep the audio up for the first few seconds through the initial uh, conversation from our patron saint of this film, Emmett Walsh, as he describes uh, sort of America in in, in totem. Um, and then we'll we'll bring that audio down, and we'll still be talking as that goes on. But you'll you'll continue to hear that, and then the audio will go away. So, uh, are you all ready, Duncan? I am good to go. I can't wait for this. All right, listeners, on the count of three, one, two, three, go. And uh, so the Janus Films logo is still there. Mm-hmm. And uh, just fade it away. Okay, so we are underway, sir, for our first commentary. This uh, uh, opening on a road with a dead tire and here is oh nothing comes with a guarantee guarantee man it's oh he's so good in this movie and and this is one of the first times i mean obviously it's the first time that the world got coen brothers dialogue Mm -hmm. but it is this sort of down home dashel hammett like if dashel hammett took place in texas that's kind of this movie and Actually, this character in particular so is the one who uh, tends out. to pontificate. And yeah. much like uh, uh, Sam Elliott from Big Lebowski, he is sort of the roundabout narrator of the movie. Mm-hmm. You're on your own. All right, so we are fading the audio down. Lynch-like road scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I like... I like a, a nice title treatment and blood simple period is pretty good. Um, yeah. So yeah. All right. Francis McDormand and John Getz are, our uh, heroes of the film, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And 
Francis McDormand got this role because Holly Hunter turned it down. Yeah, Holly Hunter made a big mistake. <laughs> well, I mean, the next time out, Raising Arizona, uh, she was there in the lead. Although Francis McDormand's in that too. Um, yeah, but she's she's another one that's kind of appeared. Um, I like Coen Brothers tend to collect actors. Um, and she's one that, you know, has been in quite a few, uh, you know, most notably, you know, things like Fargo in particular, where she is just like hands down fucking amazing. Um, and some of the quirkier stuff, like, what I like about her is the, the versatility between like the more serious stuff and the funnier stuff. Because I, I like Burn After Reading. I, I know a lot of people are not necessarily <laughs> huge fans of that movie, but she's a, a really versatile actress that can, you know, jump between the, the more serious stuff. Uh, and the you know definitely the, the the darker stuff and like her winning that Oscar this year is more than well deserved I think. Yeah, I, as far as I'm concerned, everyone should have won everything for this. Yeah, oh Dan, God, yeah. Dan Hedaya, Dan Hedaya and M. Emmett Walsh should have shared a best supporting actor nomination mm-hmm. or award for this film. They are both equally good. Dan Hedaya, yeah. who I I always associate as uh, Nick from. Cheers, He's yeah, Carla's shitty husband. Uh, so seeing him in this movie was a real eye opener of like, oh wow, Dan Hedaya is good. Yeah, oh yeah. This has is this the best death scene in a movie? <laughs> I mean, we'll get there, but just uh, give the listener something to to look forward to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of is, isn't it? As up there, as up there, like. As like as an opening to a movie, yeah, <laughs> you know, like like I, I'll tell you what I, I I'll tell you what I, I love about this movie is the Coen Brothers like just wear their influences on their sleeve. Uh, you mentioned about like the the introduction to kind of Coen Brother dialogue. It's really interesting how people just assume kind of witty, punchy, clever dialogue with Tarantino, whose career really spawns out, you know, a good what four or five years after. The Coen Brothers have really put their stamp as some of the best, you know, kind of script writers um, in Hollywood. And it's weird how I think sometimes people just take for granted how clever their dialogue is. And it's not all about look how witty and look how clever we are, you know, and, and look how I can reference about 25 movies and all these different things. And oh, look at this cool music collection I have and all the rest. It just feels like the Coen Brothers have a tendency, like M.M. at Walsh sounds like a fully realized person that you might bump into in a bar somewhere and just sit down and spark up a conversation and then just be like, this is, I could listen to you talk all day. You know, it's someone that's lived a life, you know what I mean? Or maybe 10 lives. Um, and you just, it, they always throw you in the middle of a story and you just feel like, uh, you know, the character's like entire life. I, I think I, I yeah, I, I, dude, I love this movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, well and- in, in a very quick scene where, you know, Abby and Ray are talking about, like, you know, Abby is going to leave her husband and Ray is sort of helping her get away to Houston. And uh, but they end up stopping off and fucking. But, but uh, like, even in all this dialogue, it, there's a tentativeness to mm-hmm. it that carries through the movie. Like these characters talk to each other a lot. Yeah, but they don't really say anything to each other. You know, there's a lot of what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? 
and uh, just basic miscommunication. Almost three's company level miscommunication mm-hmm. in this film, and which, of course, has lethal results, as we will uh, soon discover. But, yeah, it, it, it it's an amazing movie. It's, it's definitely a throwback to, you know, sort of dark noir films. Yeah. And... It, it treats its character like none of these characters are really all that good. I mean, your heroes are Abby and Ray, who are having an affair and behind, you know, Ray's boss's back. Yeah. And, oh, look at them boots, Duncan. Look <laughs> at... I like everything that is happening in this scene. We've got the boots, the milk of the Alka-Seltzer. That tells you a story. And then, of course... Mm and yeah, you got these pictures, and such a sleazy. I I just love that. I just love how sleazy a character is right from the start. (laughs) Oh, I mean, both of them. It looks like you could twist them and wring oil out of them. (laughs) Look at Dan Hedaya's hair in this. Yeah, but just look how happy. Mm, well, look look how happy he is that he's caught the incriminating photos. Yeah, well it. He's like, you know, you're I mean, basically paying him to make you feel bad. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Show you evidence that you're not satisfying your woman and she's going elsewhere. Yeah, it, like he wants confirmation and gives him pictures he didn't ask for. Yeah. And the way that M. Emmett Walsh describes this, it's a fr- consider it a fringe benefit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and it, like I love every... Everything about this setup where we have the affair going on, we know that the husband knows about it, and then hovering around the edges of this is this greaseball detective. Mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, to your point about the character work that the Coen brothers do and why this movie is so special, all of these characters are terrible, and yeah. yet they are some of the most, like, I kind of have a lot of pity for Dan Hedaya by the end of this movie, mm-hmm. but he's a terrible person. Oh yeah, and I mean we're talking about bits and bobs here, but as we're talking as well, like this is the the kind of first of several collaborations between the cinematographer Barry Sonnenfield and the the Coens. So he, he does this movie for him. He, he would then go on to do like Raising Arizona for them, as well as Miller's Crossing. But this guy's a cinematographer for Misery. And then he jumps off and starts doing directing. And his directing career is weird, like weird as fuck. Um, because it's all like, this guy goes from just like shooting some movies and I'm going, I'm going to direct the Adams Family movies to I'm going to do Men in Black. <laughs> like, you know, like, just like, He's he's the guy. I'm sure he's the guy that they talk um, that Kevin Smith talks about about that infamous Wild Wild West story. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I'm yeah. sure this is the dude, and this is a cinematographer for for this movie. And it's a beautifully shot movie. I love yeah. the lighting and everything. It's just great. I was gonna uh, bring him up in particular when we get to that bar scene. There's a mm-hmm. great tracking shot. We'll point it out here in a sec. One thing we've got to mention is in this scene, when Dan Hedaya slings that money at M. Emmett Walsh, the look on his face yeah. before he breaks into the laughter is, oh, fuck, man. Yeah. M. Emmett Walsh, 
sorry again for just pointing out how amazing he is in this movie, <laughs> but everything that comes out of his mouth is fucking classic. Oh yeah. Uh all right, and this is uh the shot, I do believe, where yes. we are doing a oneer, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a tracking shot as the bartender climbs over the bar, goes to the jukebox, changes the song from whatever shit kicking uh country and western song. I just love that scene as well, just steals that guy's coin. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> I love uh, this song. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And yeah, it's uh <laughs> the 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 shuffle with the chucks. Yeah, it's a beautifully shot film. And um yeah, it I, I like that we're we're set amongst the dregs of society all through this film. Mm-hmm. You know, like when Dan Hedea tells uh Ib Emmett Walsh like get out of here don't come back i know if i want to find you again i know what rock to turn over yeah <laughs> it's like yeah but you're like the rock on the upper floor yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know and i know what rock to turn over yeah wow yeah <laughs> huh, All right. that's good yeah yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> I, I I really uh, am continually impressed as uh, as we get into this film, um, of what a good transfer this Criterion edition. Is. Oh, it's it's phenomenal! This is how you do a transfer. Criterion just they have this locked them um, at this stage. I I've yet to see a Criterion transfer where I'm not like that. Yeah, this is why these Blu-rays cost so much. You know, you pay a bit extra for Criterion, but it is worth it uh, in the long run. Constantly worth it. Um, you know what blows my mind? This movie made for about one and a half million dollars, yeah. um, which is insane. <laughs> like when you think about it now, if this movie was to be made now, it would cost what twenty five, twenty five million maybe. Well, I mean, I don't know. I think you because there's not a lot of uh, another good tracking shot with the dog. By the way, mm-hmm. there's not a, a ton of effects work or anything. It's really just paying your actors and the sets. Yeah, but I, th- I think if you imagine anyone making a movie like that now, you wouldn't be able to make this movie without getting a couple of couple of named actors, right. you know, big named actors. And like, if you listen to on the Criterion, there's a great interview with uh, M. Emmett Walsh where he talks about just how he got involved with the movie, just in general, what he'd been doing beforehand, and how he didn't really expect the movie to really do anything. <laughs> you know, he, he, you know, he just kind of thought he was going to show up, do what he did, didn't get paid all that well for it, uh, didn't have like the greatest experience in, on set, and genuinely kind of thought the movie was going to be all right, uh, but not really amount to much. And then to be, you know, at the stage where he was talking about the movie so many years on and see how much of a cult following it had picked up and genuinely being kind of humbled and surprised by it, um, I think speaks to a lot of, like, the Coen brothers doing, like, to me, like, watching this movie, I'm like that, yeah, like, to me it's obvious these guys are going to have, like, see if we, like, we talk about it just now where we'll watch a movie from from a first-time director and we're like, right, they're on my radar, like anything to go and do now, I you know their names are. That, that's kind of how I, I feel about this movie. I think I saw this movie for the first time early nineties. This is a VHS rental for me, um, 
and was just blown away. Like at the time, I, and I think by then they'd made maybe about another two or three movies after that. Um, and finding it like the, the second movie that I ever saw that Coen Brothers did was uh, Big Lebowski, and not being able to equate the the same. Like there's elements, like I say, they carry a lot over, but not being able to say like, well, this is you know, this is just a surreal comedy. This can't be the guys that did Blood Simple, right? You know what I mean. But then seeing the the path to the Big Lebowski, it makes total sense because they're already covering like comedy, uh, really dark content, really surreal sort of weird situations. I think they're just really diverse storytellers uh, in a way. When you're talking about Inside Loon Davis. I think that's shows just the extent of how great they are. Um, and everything about this movie, I just love the use of neon. Yeah, so much neon in this movie, and it's not a Michael Mann movie. How's that possible? <laughs> yeah, and uh, let's talk for one second about how fucked up it is that Ray is in uh, Dan Hedaya's house. Oh yeah, playing pool, like clearly fucking his wife. Obviously, mm-hmm. fuck my wife. Yeah, she. But, like, making buddies with his dog and everything. Oh, yeah. And it, I, to me, that is one of the more fucked up things that happens in this movie. It's like, man, it's weird to be in his house, but it's even worse to be casually playing pool yeah. and about to have a smoke. Uh, and I also like this kind of uh, Chekhov's incinerator in the background here. Oh, yes. Yep, it's you know once again it springs mind of the wood chipper and Fargo. Coen Brothers uh-huh. know what they're doing, man, and that's what I mean. This is the Rosetta Stone to the Coen Brothers filmography, right here. It's all here. Yeah, well, and yeah, kind of to that point, uh, writ large, um, like all of the stuff throughout their films, whether it's the cinematographer, whether it's Francis McDormand, whether it's kind of the low life characters or, or sort of uh, marginalized characters, if nothing else, that if anything, yes, they like to bounce around through genres and tones mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But all of their movies are kind of about outsiders to one degree or another. Yeah. And man, this is such a... <laughs> Yeah. I like this laugh when Dan Hedaya asked him if he's a marriage counselor after in the opening, he, he kept saying, look, I ain't no marriage counselor. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but this whole sequence of like, I, this is such a Texan guy thing to do of like, I'm going to go to my boss whose wife I'm fucking and just let him know that I know he knows, and he knows I know, mm-hmm. and we're all just going to draw our lines in the sand. And, uh, you know, Danadea has the wonderful uh, twist of being like, all right, man, but just know what you bought for yourself. Yeah. Oh, the, the flies flying into that light in the back. It's just fucking great, man. <laughs> It is so good. Oh my god, the look! Like I said, Dan Hedaya, I think in this movie should have been nominated for something. Oh yeah, and, he's phenomenal. And, and we haven't even gotten to the part that I think he should be nominated for. Uh, but yeah, it, so and we also established earlier to the point of Chekhov's incinerator. We also have quite literally Chekhov's gun, which is the one that Abby has in her purse, and we know she has a handful of bullets in there. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile. Um, we have Dan Hedaya looking at that incinerator like, 
I bet you could put a body in there. Yeah, and while he's looking at that, two flies have just been scorched. Yeah. Oh. It's just bro it's amazing. It yeah. Uh, the Coen brothers know what, and and our, so I meant to mention this when you were talking about Emmett Walsh saying they didn't have really that great a time yeah. <laughs> on set and whatnot. Everything I've heard about the Coen brothers, and I, I've there's a book I think it's just called the Coen brothers uh, that I read about you know their first twenty ish years of work, and they kind of approach it the way that Hitchcock did. Mm-hmm. Of I know what this movie is, I know how the actors are going to sound, I know what they're going to say. We're not improving. Nobody's riffing. I know the shot I want. And the actors are basically just props. Yeah. And that's their approach. Like they, because they have the benefit of writing and directing their own films, they know exactly what it is that they want to make. And, and what makes them genius is that they have such a precise vision of it and they're brilliant storytellers besides. Yeah. But I can see as an actor where, that would be a real pain in the ass if they're like, no, 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 no. I know how I want you to say it. Quit trying to sound. Don't try to make your character make our character. Yeah. And I can see where that, that w- yeah. would rub people the wrong way. Yeah. Well, uh. um, <laughs> it's just, I just there there's this is such at the end of the day though this whole story is kind of a high school bullshit story. Yes. You know, like everything comes down to I we both like the same girl. And uh and you know, Marty calling hit, uh Ray's place and being like hanging up and just being a weirdo creep and like oh she's there and Letting himself do getting blood simple, Duncan. That's what's <laughs> happening. People get blood simple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're about to fuck again. Yep. Whole lot of fucking going on. <laughs> oh, whatever happened to John Getz? I wonder why wasn't he more famous? I don't know, like the, the, you get a lot of that though, where you see you see actors and you look like you you know you're just a great actor, and then you realise that maybe it doesn't transcend from. He's in the fly, isn't he? Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, I forget what I said. He's great in the fly too. Yeah, I, I, he just, he's, he's in that same one as well. I think he's uh he's just such a like kind of cipher in this film. He he's such a, a blank expressionless character for most of the movie, you know. Yeah. Like every now and again he goes from straight faced to bitter laughter or concern and then back again. Yeah. But that's the character. That, that that piano score is just fucking incredible as well. Oh I know. It's that motif that just keeps coming back. Ah yeah, it's all just like we, we've got everything stripped down to the the bare minimums in a way. And, may, and maybe that's kind of the story of this movie is that there's no real fat on it. Yeah. It's it's just here is what we need to tell this very specific story. And uh, and I also like the fact that it picks up like after the affair has, if not started, been suspected yeah, and uh, we can just get to the good shit, which is everybody starting to fucking kill each other. 
Yeah. <laughs> so this, this movie comes out. Um, hey, Ray, you want to do it again? Yeah, again. <laughs> How about I'm going to sit on you and you can put your thing in my vagina. <laughs> Sounds so sexy. Um, so like this movie comes out like 1984. Yeah, it's right around Evil Dead 2 time, because I, I know there was some, like, kind of shared DNA with maybe Crew. Uh, yeah, because obviously they have like, they have a, a history with Sam Raimi. Um, Sam Raimi actually kind of helped them to an extent, and they have in turn helped Raimi, which I kind of love. Um, see, they wrote... What was, what was the movie they wrote for? Crime Wave? That's the one, yep, Crime Wave yeah. uh, for Raimi. But you get like, so what I was going to say is you get this movie, which is like this really pretty awesome kind of noirish kind of southern thriller um, from the Coen brothers. And within a year and a half of this movie coming out, you get Blue Velvet, which is basically David Lynch's suburban kind of noirish thriller. Um, and it's weird how much... It's weird how much the movie's... Um, are so alike and so different, but like such a unique. So one of the reasons I like we were talking about noir cinema, but I think before we started recording, is one of the reasons I quite like it. It's just always kind of simple. Oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the reveal of the dog. That's a nice touch of like, oh shit, it's going bad. Mm-hmm. He's got a gun! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Every time. Oh, man, dragging her feet along the floor. That's an amazing shot. That's an Evil Dead 2 shot right there. Of course it is. Look at that. Yep. Oh, oh, nice. Yep, that'll put you down. Uh huh. That will put you down. That hurts my parts. <laughs> yep. If you get it right, that's like, and they don't fuck around with that. Listeners out there of the male persuasion will testify to this. If you get it right, you get smacked right in the testicles, right? You will vom. Yeah, if you get them both flat. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's it's done. Yep. Uh,. <laughs> Yeah, Ray's a little late to the party on this one. But he did bring a gun, and that usually puts an end to these problems. Yeah. Look at the water. So... Yeah, because yeah. at the end of the day, Hidea is kind of a coward. Like, he'll beat up his wife, but... Of course. The dog in the yeah. car. <laughs> uh-huh. That's how I get in a car, too. Jeez. Come, Mr. Bigglesworth. To me, fly, Archimedes. <laughs> In fairness, he could be late to the party because Francis will, in fact, handle shit. Yes, she will. Yes, she will. Uh, I, yeah, I like. Look that. at the dog. <laughs> <laughs> he had to cover. He had to turn around. That's pretty great. <laughs> I get a real great dark joke. Yeah. Of like, hey, this guy that busted in was about to murder his soon-to-be ex-wife. He had to turn around in a cul-de-sac. <laughs> Pussy finger, by the yeah. way, is a great expression. As opposed to trigger finger, mm -hmm. I suppose. Look at, man, 
Look at player. <laughs> yeah. Fucking pen pass player. Thought I had some weed. You ever, you cool, Marty? You cool? See, the thing is, he's not changed that sit. <laughs> just sweating in it. Uh huh. And and this stupid VW bug that he's too big for. And... Yeah, and the doll hanging from the wing. Yeah, there. yeah it's just weird. Yeah, oh, everything about. <laughs> sure, I sure love the it. Boobs light up. <laughs> And you know that he's just, he's laughed at that for about a year since he bought it. And I like, isn't that wild? Yeah. Is the line like, no, that looks, it's tacky and terrible. Um, I think it's, I, and I think he's the one who gave me the term busted flipper. Yeah. <laughs> is where I got that. Uh, but is this the point where he, he talks about going blood simple? Because that's a, a point where we may need to, to crank up volume and yeah. just let people savor. Um, yeah. Can't even wipe your own goddamn ass. <laughs> God, he is so sleazy He's in this such movie. A, he's so sweaty as well that that suit he was wearing was white at one point. <laughs> just sweaty, didn't it? That right. yellow now. Yeah, and that's crazy that he is decked out entirely in in yellow. And I would argue the color of the desert, sir. Mm -hmm. uh, a force of nature that courses through this movie. Um, that like once him. you, yeah, once you set him on on his journey, he is going to see it through to the end. He is like he's a real. This is why he he's such a frightening character, right? Is that he's. He's a psychopath, but he's the organized kind of psychopath. Like, he's thinking a couple of steps ahead of pretty much everyone in the movie. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a guy that's been about. So, you know what I mean? He's, he's a guy that he's that, he's that he's like, um, oh, he's, what's his face? Uh, from uh, no, no Country from Old Men. Oh, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, right. What's his, uh, what's his chops? Javier Bardem. Yeah, it's, it's uh, Javier player. Bardem. Like, Anton Chigurh. Couldn't, I can't believe we didn't yeah, think of it. He's, he's, you know, someone that you pay to do something and you set him on his on his way and he will, as soon as you set him on his way, that's him. He's now, you know, you can't control him once once you set him on his journey. Yeah, like, oh, here it is. You've been thinking about so much. It drove you simple. All right, hold on. We're going to yeah. bring up volume a little Just bit for everyone. I go simple on me and do something stupid. I mean, really stupid. Now, why should I trust you? For the money. The money. Yeah. That's right, smart of money. In Russia. You make only 50 cents a day. So what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> oh, e even he doesn't know. Yeah, the day is. <laughs> is the fuck? I want you uh, to go fishing. Huh? Go down to Corpus for a few days. 
get yourself noticed. I'll give you a call when it's done. You just find a way of And it's that Hitchcock thing as well, you know, that but once again we're, we're talking about Hitchcock um, and the name of the movie escapes me because I'm blanking on everything tonight about the, the two guys that meet on the train I think it's called Strangers on a Train the Strangers on a Train <laughs> I was, for some reason I was thinking Snakes on a Plane but that's a different movie um, yeah, yeah. although <laughs> if you could get Strangers and Snakes on a Plane you got yourself a got movie yeah. <laughs> but it's that idea you know of like you set someone off and Oh, here we go. Just planned it all out, Bo. Well. <laughs> just, oh, just and a- I, I, it, but there's a real genuine calculation on the part of Emmett Walsh here, which is, well, I could kill both of these people for $10,000. Oh, yeah. Or... I could just kill this one dude for ten thousand dollars. <laughs> and then once again one of these surreal Cohen brothers Yeah. yeah, of course this uh apartment uh that she is viewing here, this kind of hole in the wall shitty place, is uh important in the third act. Mm-hmm. Chekhov's apartment. Chekhov's apartment. <laughs> if if you show an apartment in the first act, yeah, someone will move into it in the third <laughs> act. Uh, but yeah, all right. So we have established now that uh, Marty has uh, because uh, Lorne has has told him you need to get out of town and make sure that people know you're out of town so mm-hmm. that you have an alibi. Uh, and, and so Dan Hedaya has done that very thing and presumably in the film, if this were a more straightforward story, Lorne is now going to go murder Ray and Abby and collect his money and all is right with the world. Yeah. But of course, uh, you know, we have like all, every character has their own motive in this movie. <laughs> And when when Emmett Walsh decides he's going to accept ten thousand dollars to kill someone, he then moves to what is the best way to collect that money? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm no longer worried about like the right or wrongs of this situation. I'm already killing for money. What's just the most convenient way to go about collecting on that? Mm-hmm. He's already got his spent, Bo. Oh yeah, yeah. He's well, get that. That houseboat, yeah. <laughs> Got to put new batteries in there, titty flashing thing in my car. Because <laughs> you, you know those batteries. <laughs> you know those batteries are running out soon. He's played that to death. I'm gonna get a hundred. Keep him in the garage. <laughs> it's the only, the only way he lights his home. <laughs> Just titty lights, as far as I can see. In Russia. <laughs> All the light comes from bulbs. Yeah. As opposed to something, all the lights come from bulbs. As opposed to titties. Uh Like Casa de Crazy. That's what I call my house. (laughs) Uh, All right, so we get the reveal, which is a nice shot of the the reveal of uh, of Lauren's car pulled up mm-hmm. 
<laughs> this is a creepy scene. Though. This is a, like the Coen brothers have never done outright horror. Yeah. But boy, they could. Yeah, they're like David Lynch. I think David Lynch has never really done an outright horror movie, but there's always shades. There's always that. Yeah, if they wanted, if he wanted to, it'd be right, if fascinating. You, if you nudged it just a bit, yeah, it would be straight on horror. Uh... It's weird because we're talking about the oh, geez, geez. Um, the. Because like, obviously on Legion we're going to be doing this, uh, our version of the Bravo's 100th Scariest Movie Moments. And uh-huh. Blood Simple features in that uh, at 73, and it's the, I, I believe it's the Emmett Walsh hand through the window scene. Oh, it's good. Which is creepy as balls when it's coming up. Um, yeah, I would argue the scene with uh, Hadea in the, in the field. Yeah. Is also a scene of of pure, pretty pure horror. Yes, um, even though it has all the noir trappings, um, you know, if I had a gun, I would want the ones that you know did the break yeah. in the middle. That seems cool. Yeah, I'd also if I owned a gun, I wouldn't, and there was bullets in it, I wouldn't be holding an open flame near it. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's what makes bullets go off, but I could be wrong. Heat I does, I think, isn't it? Yeah, but I think it's got to be more than a lighter. I don't know, but I wouldn't take that chance. I, I well, that's coming from a country that doesn't have guns, but <laughs> like... yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing we know best because, like, we use <laughs> we use bullets to hold up furniture, and I, I use it to plug sockets. <laughs> I have bullet suppositories. <laughs> An analgesic. Jesus. Man, imagine if you looked out the window and this dude was creeping around your house. <laughs> there wouldn't be enough police. Yeah. There wouldn't be enough toilet paper to clean up the shit that came at me. <laughs> All right. And then we get the flare suggesting, oh, he just shot the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. As well as... This scene where he's being especially oily. Yeah. Catch any fish? Yeah. <laughs> you owe me some money. God damn. <laughs> All right. And and now begins uh our our kind of turn into act two. Yeah. Um Where now that I oh, well I guess I guess the turn into two I suppose would be Hadea asking for the murder, but now uh, the the consequence is about to uh, to unfold before us. But I yeah I do appreciate the fact also that Hadea is just chewed up with um, antacids. Mm-hmm. Like this is clearly a guy that doesn't know the meaning of 
meditation. He should just chill out, man. In fairness, that's some Photoshop bullshit. Yeah. He should he should know better. Although that's pretty good. The shooting through the wrist. <laughs> pretty, it's a pretty nice touch. But you know, and like the whole time Emmett Walsh in this scene is just like, you think he's going for it? <laughs> I work pretty hard on this. Pixel perfect. <laughs> also, never let someone like Emmett Walsh in this film tell you, the less you know about, the better. Yeah, because what what you don't know is gonna be fucking horrifying. Of course, of course. <laughs> I argue you do want to know because the law is coming. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think if I killed my wife and her lover, I, I might get sick. That's rough. Yeah. He's he's a he's a, I mean he's a tough guy, but there is that line. Well, he's a coward yeah. again. He's you know he's a lot of talk and a badge to quote the Untouchables. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh nice one. And of course, uh, Walsh is like you know he's been looking at the safe because all he wants is the money. Yeah, as soon as that safe opens, this motherfucker's dead. Yeah, and he keeps like obviously he's mentioned money about like, the fly flying about his face as well. Well, there's always like bugs and shit crawling on him like in the scene earlier in the car there's yeah. i don't even know if it's a fly i think it might even just be a good old-fashioned beetle or something <laughs> crawling on his forehead as if to say yes he's a real piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite coen brothers moves ever by the way was uh the hi-hat thing in miller's crossing oh yeah uh where they because they had heard that someone did a class on raising Arizona, mm -hmm. they put all that hat imagery in Miller's Crossing just to fuck with people. <laughs> That's a bold move. That is yeah. That is high level trolling. <laughs> trolling before trolling was a thing as well. Right. I was just like, you know, it'd be funny. What if what if everyone just talked about their hat? Um. <laughs> oh boy. I must have got money sample. <laughs> Such a great scene. <laughs> Let's push it with the foot. <laughs> yeah, just the disdain that Hadea has for him. Yeah. It's un unapologetic, unabashed. I think I'm better than you. Oh, yep. <laughs> yeah, just a slump. That's good. Tend to maybe find myself more. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, getting a little 
A little sweating here. <laughs> All that exercise, the lifting of the gun and pulling of the trigger. Real workout. <laughs> well, I mean, again, it's just that awful Texas heat and all the shittiness of the people everything about this movie makes it ought to make you feel worse than it does in some ways mm-hmm. you know like I, I the wrong version of this movie is an unwatchable horrifying mess um but you know when you have the coen brothers telling this story it turns out it's okay what, what was that uh last exit to brooklyn you know that oh, movie yeah. that is just it, it's okay but it's just so grim and mm-hmm. everyone's terrible and this movie could have been that in different hands so obviously at this point we get that small detail which once again is the catalyst in so many Coen Brothers movies of you just leave one thing but you think you're being smart bro you think you're being clever you think you've got uh-huh. away with a perfect crime however you forgot one little thing Yep. Well, and he's planted Abby's gun there, mm-hmm. and and shot him with Abby's gun. So, and you know, this is the perfect crime for M.M. and Walsh. He has killed Marty with Abby's gun. Mm-hmm. So there's no way that she wouldn't be accused of the murder, and she has motive and yada yada. Yep. Uh, the guy showed up, tried to kill her, etc. So, right, the fact that his lighter is stuck under the, the, the fish is the only thing that ties him. Yeah, the only thing that ties to, him to the crime, yeah. Or or to Marty at all. Like, there's yeah. no reason for him to ever come up in conversation. And 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 then here comes the Three's Company, Dipsy Doodle. <laughs> where Ray is about to walk in and find this staged murder scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not st- staged. I mean, it's an actual murder scene, but it's staged to look as if Abby would have done this. Uh, <laughs> In fairness, I guess he did show up to try to rob the place. Yeah, he's not a nice guy, bro. He's an adult right. and a thief. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. Let's, let's not, yeah. Not a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, let's not paint him with too kind of brush here. And also, he's about to do maybe the most heinous thing in the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Man, I, I, I hate to talk about the transfer, especially for those who aren't watching uh, the Criterion version. Buy the Criterion version if you're not. Like yeah. legitimately, it is one. Of, it is a must own for any film fan. Uh, <laughs> no, he's dead, <laughs> or is he? <laughs> you deef. <laughs> I like it when people call it that. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. That should have startled him. (laughs) (laughs) 
Maybe he's just a really deep sleeper bull. <laughs> um, hey, Marty? <laughs> Are you dead? Yep, that's a, that's a bad saying, bull. <laughs> Scale of 1 to 10, if you heard I had been found shot in the back of a sleazy, sleazy dance hall... How surprised would you be? Bo, if, uh, if that isn't the way you go, I will be surprised. <laughs> eh, that's what the gypsy said. <laughs> uh, I know this gun. Well, yeah, I mean, it, I think it's the first line of the movie, right? Yeah. Where uh, Abby is talking about the thirty-eight pearl handle revolver that Marty got for her. Mm-hmm. Man, oh, the Coen brothers are real good, Duncan. <laughs> the first line of your movie is also kind of the big MacGuffin of the yep. film. Chekhov's oh. opening line. Chekhov's <laughs> opening line. They're geniuses. And you, you get that shot of the light are there and just this steady trickle blood. Uh, I, I, and, and here's the decision of like, I got to cover this up. That's, that's bold, man. Mm -hmm. All for a love of the lady. Yeah. I don't know that I got that in me. I, if I, if I suspect the woman I am having an adulterous affair with mm -hmm. murdered her husband. Yeah. I, that might be it. I might be out. <laughs> this barman only likes one song. It's a great song, mind you, but... Well, they probably had enough mo money to license one song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we need to keep using it in the bar. And I think that... It's not the best way to clean blood as well. This total novice <laughs> no. approach here. I'm just going to use my shirt and I'm going to like sweep it up and then I'm going to carry it up, creating more blood pools and then like rinse it out. Yeah. And more blood just keeps on coming, Duncan. Yeah. This is like, you got to do something with the body before you clean the blood. Yeah. That's, that's murder 101. There you go. You have Let's, uh, listeners <laughs> uh, take some notes. If you're going to kill someone, uh, for or clean up a crime scene. First of all, get rid of the body or or put the body in a uh, yeah. in, in a position that it's no longer leaking. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to continue to clean up the mess that drops out as you're removing the mess you've just cleaned up. Right, and presumably you're on a schedule at this point. Mm -hmm. you, you don't. If you have the luxury of time, hey, you wait till the blood all drains. I don't care. You do your murder. <laughs> also don't put a bleeding body in your car no that's like that's a oh. real good way to get caught yeah no wait a second bull right the incinerator's right yeah. there you could have used that all along yeah. do you see what i see 
Smell, smells like pork. I tell Abby. Abby. Yep. You you wanted some pulled pork. Right. Why doesn't he dump the whole body? That's the big mistake of this movie. Of is, yeah, it is. he gets rid of the clothes, but um But well, then again, I don't know that it would turn out differently no matter what he does with this body. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like this kind of bullshit. Like, hey, maybe there is a universal reason that all this is happening. Like, just all the stars align for shit to be incredibly fucked up. Because <laughs> there are about five different ways that this this whole situation can be diffused. Mm-hmm. It's just that no one ever talks to each other in this movie. Like, like I, I think, if memory serves... Doesn't Ray kind of go to his grave believing Abby killed him? Yeah. Oh, man. I do like night drives, though. Not so much with a body in the car, but... (laughs) I mean, I've done it both ways. It's just a little more tense when you have the body. You're like, God, did I get that taillight fixed? Oh, here we go. That'll fuck you. That would also be my reaction. (laughs) Stop the car and run like fuck. Ghost body, ghost body. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's just a real person. (laughs) If a body is haunted, I think it's just a living person. Yeah. uh, (laughs) I think that's how I'm going to start seeing people from now on. You're a ghost waiting to happen. <laughs> a ghost on a schedule. <laughs> Is it weird that my birth certificate had an expiration date? <laughs> it's soon. Is it weird that I went past it? <laughs> right. Is that what I'm I spell over. <laughs> I'm a day over. I'm not sure it was taking leap. Yeah, this is why you don't put a body in the car, like Bo said, because what it'll do is... Not in one piece. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, this is fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, this is why I think this is the best... Beth... This is why this is the Beth meth scene. Yeah. Um, No, the best death scene. (laughs) Yeah, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It, it just goes on so long. It is this horrifying. And when I say there's no fat on this movie, I mean, this scene goes on too long, but it should go on too long. Yeah. Um, like seeing this guy mortally wounded, crawling pitifully yeah. away from, you know. Oh man! It's almost every nighttime shot as well has those lights in the background, which I just love. Those kind of it's, it's that kind of out of focus fade light thing. Almost in every single shot as well. Right, it's, just it's just a, somewhere in the distance is civilization. Yeah, not here. Oh fuck! Is this how you would do it? Would you would you run him over at this point? And, uh, yeah, if I hadn't put the gun in his pocket, yeah. <laughs> Why not get the gun out of his pocket? At this point, this is a good point. I mean, you're you're in. Well, then again, at, 
but Ray has might, not. He might know that he has a gun in his pocket. I love that. Like, just the whole thing is a like is constant. You, you can see the, the kind of internal turmoil of what to do, how to handle this, what can I do, and he's trying to think it out. There's anger. There's you would imagine on some level confusion, a bit of sympathy. You've got a shovel. <laughs> And the worst is yet to come. Oh yeah, like 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 <laughs> dragging along, which is the trailer of Memory Serves is the idea. Like the trailer for the movie is just a man dragging a sh- a shovel along. Oh no, C- could you do it, Bo? Hit a man in the head with a shovel. Yeah. Uh, now see, I would shoot him. You know that you've he's already been shot with that gun one time. Yeah. And now there's a time limit on this. Oh, shit. I, I love Hedaya in this so much. Just, I, it, like, he's an infant at this point. Yeah. He's just in completely helpless, completely at, at the whim of, of John Getz, who is just trying to figure out how he's going to kill him best. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, <I don't>, nice. <laughs> oh, well... That's also going to be evidence. Uh... <laughs> like, I'll just drive him out. This, all right. So this is what. This, this, but this is so fucked up because being buried alive. It's the worst death. Worse. It's the worst death. Yeah. Like you, like you, you run someone over, right? You might have to back over them just to make sure you shoot them, right? You're gonna kill them, you know. If you shoot them in the head, shoot them in the heart. If you know, if <laughs> if you hit them with a shovel really hard in the head, you know you're gonna kill them or that. No, I'm gonna leave you like you left her, marooned inside a dead planet, buried alive. Gone. <laughs> it's a cowardly way to handle this situation of like look he's dying i don't have to kill yeah. him i just have to put him in a position where we wait out the clock on this. <laughs> yeah you know it's he is not not bleeding out yeah so that's in my favor oh my plus God. of all the things right you run over them you you're not facing them when you run them over. You know what I mean. You're just looking straight ahead. You know when you're bringing that shovel down, you don't even need to look at the body. Bo. When you're shooting them, you don't need to look at the body. Every shovel of dirt in them, you're looking down at that man's face. Well, that's why you got to cover that up first. Yeah, and he's not doing that. <laughs> no, he's the crotch. <laughs> but how fucked up would that be if you're in the Dan Hidea position? Of laying there as someone shovels dirt on you and you can't do fuck all yeah. about it. It's terrifying. That 
that is the most nightmarish thing to me and it's it's casino all over again it's that it's the joe pesci death in casino and here we go oh man oh my one chance at least maybe some justice yeah but i got my with, no, no. with my last breath i stab at thee from hate's heart i spit at thee how did this turn into a Star Trek I don't, two. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> one day will. One day will happen. Uh, uh, that sucks. Sorry, Dan Hedaya. Yeah. Thanks for being in the movie. I guess. <laughs> I'll just take that. That's your last chance. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. As soon as the gun is taken from his hand, that's it. You're done. You're done. (laughs) Fucking amazing. (laughs) Yeah, and if you weren't covering that face up before you're doing it now, the man just tried to shoot you. Uh Uh-huh. But even then, even then... Fucking soil was breathing. Look at that. <laughs> so good, man. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. This It is just the most horrifying shit. The best, the single best death scene in a movie. Hands down for me. We're just going to. Watching it again only cemented yeah. it. That is fucking terrifying. And then we're just going to, we're just going to cut to that kind of post-coital, like, cigarette. Well. Is it weird I was a wreck through it all? <laughs> I suppose not. Yeah, it turns out burying a man alive gets me hard. Who would have thought? Sex will never be the same again. <laughs> Look at that shot, too. That's another great, great shot. Yeah. And now he's like, start, please. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a real bitch. But again, like in this movie, at this point, it, it, we have started to see some Murphy's Law. Yeah. And it's only going to get worse. Yeah. The, you know, I, I'll tell you, the Sam Raimi version of this movie, now that I think about it, was a simple plan. Yes. It's it's just not nearly as good as this. Mm-hmm. It's not bad though. We love these. We love these. Yeah, we love these long shots, long roads. Now, if this road had snow on either side, you're basically watching a good portion of Fargo. Yeah, that's true. Or uh, keep everything the same. Yeah, and raising Arizona. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love the that dude. Take her easy, pal. (laughs) That guy is a physical embodiment of the sound. <laughs> it's probably his name. <laughs> what is your name, sir? Take her easy. Oh, you're Bob Take Her Easy, son. Yeah, look, he's like talking to Avi mortified, fucking soil-covered handprint against the wall. 
I did the most terrifying thing uh, in my life for yeah. you, unaware that you have no idea what's happened. Uh, <laughs> it slipped all the way right through it. I slept like a baby. Now you've got to think to yourself, how much trauma did I go through killing that man? And you killed him in my mind, and you're just sleeping as if nothing's happened. Look how well she plays it off. Could this happen to me at some point? Yeah. There, he gives a, a, a real bitter laugh here in a minute that's real quality. I also like the fact that just by brushing her forehead, he kind of marks her. He, yeah. he he stains her with his act in a way. <laughs> hey, Ray, you want to do it in my vagina again? <laughs> How are you so goddamn happy? <laughs> it turns out that uh, I want to try some something different in the role play. Uh, how would you feel about being buried alive? <laughs> Turns that kind of gets me off. You're you're not you're not down you're not down with that. Well, how ungrateful are you? I just uh, killed your husband for you uh, after you killed your husband. <laughs> Abby, let me ask you a question. Uh, you know when you get turned on and you're not sure why. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bo. Yeah, let's burn up the evidence. Again, let's get rid of everything that ties me to any of this. Yeah, it's all the different layers he's used to create those photos. <laughs> and what's in this envelope here? Man, these fucking cigarettes pulled warped. a fast one. These cigarettes all warped. Oh, oh. Bo, he can't light that cigarette. You want to know why I can't light that cigarette? Because his lighter is under a bunch of stupid fish. Right, now let me think. Let me backtrack this. Where did I have it last? I was, <sighs> I was really happy with myself because I just made a bit of money. At... I was awfully pleased with myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot of ceiling fans yep. in this movie as well. Very Lynchian. Twin Peaks. Yeah. And there's a little crackling noise as well. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Bob. <laughs> hey, murder. I mean, good morning. <laughs> Boy, you look as, as pretty as a desert flower you do, but what... Uh, How'd you end up shooting that man last <laughs> night? It's real fucked up, Abby. <laughs> and again, nobody talking directly yeah. to one another. Because they don't want to confront what? the horribleness of what's happened. Right, but uh, I, I, I think it's the larger theme of the movie is that there there is a remoteness to these characters even as close as they seem to be that they never really uh, effectively uh, communicate with one another. Um, up to and including the very last moment of the movie, yeah. which is a miscommunication. Well, I'll let you know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like him not saying, hey, I cleaned up the dude you shot. It, I took care of everything, Abby. Is that a Southern thing? 
Um, to an extent, there there is an amount, uh, a fair amount of talking around a subject for the sake of politeness. Yeah. But I I think this is more of a thematic thing than it is uh, a a cultural thing. I love it. <laughs> Let me give you a little bit of advice here. You know, not saying right, that right. relates to anything, but if you ever go to shoot a man, just make sure he's dead. I'm not saying you did shoot a man. This advice might seem a bit weird, but I'm just saying. I I had a real weird night, Abby. Uh, I presume you did as well, although the way you're looking at me tells me that maybe something real fucked up happened. Um, He's walking around with a shirt with blood on it and a gun in his back pocket. Right. So naturally, she would think, because she's had to warn him before about staying away from Marty... That <laughs> yeah. he is uh, the murderer. You mean funny ha-ha? Or... <laughs> Don't you lecture me, woman. You murdered a man. Well, technically you didn't murder him, but I murdered a man. Wait one second. That doesn't sound good either. <laughs> that look yeah. of like I uh, yeah. do pick up the gun, are, are, pick it up, pick up the phone. <laughs> I'm just here. To get <laughs> All right, y'all. Some he had a phone. Yeah, that's the bitter laugh I was talking about. That's a quality yeah. bitter laugh. Yeah. John Gates really looks like a slightly more worn um Franco, James Franco. Oh yeah. He really he sure does, does, man. Yeah. Yeah, James Franco could absolutely play John Getz in the John Getz <laughs> Get Simple. <laughs> the John Getz story. Look at this. Even how this is framed, the distance between. Yeah. Them. Oh, it's so good. God damn, they're good. Yeah. Let me just leave your gun. She's like, what? Uh, yeah, yeah. So the seeds are desperation. Yeah. All right. Uh, and so now we have all our characters on a bit of uh, a collision course. Uh, as. M. Emmett Walsh wants his lighter. Uh, Ray wants to figure out what the hell, yeah. why the hell he he got involved with Abby in the first place. And Abby thinks that maybe Ray killed Marty. 
Yeah, so let's introduce another character that we haven't spent a lot of time with, but will kind of lead into a bit of Fufura later on. Sure. Fufura is always yeah. good. Well, that's a hell of a stain. Yeah. Once again, follow Bo's rules of head to dispose of a body. Or put down some plastic. Let's just not be an animal. And let's take something out and put it on the back seat because that won't look suspicious. Also, something that will very easily show off. Yeah. <laughs> so here's another shitty thing that M. Emmett Walsh uh, is, or that. Ray is being blamed for that M. Emmett Walsh did, mm -hmm. which is, you know, clean the place out. <laughs> I don't like I, I, I don't know if Marty got the money from the cigar box to pay him or if just on his way out after shooting Marty, he just took M. Emmett Walsh was like, eh, cigar box. <laughs> I'll have some. Yeah, in Russia, they <laughs> Keep their money in their hands. <laughs> but this is Texas. I think once again, love this just like this little attention to detail, this little quirk that if you want to leave this guy's street, <laughs> you have to turn your car. Yeah. And yeah, and you don't even have to show the car. No. Yeah, it's just it's just an audio joke. Oh, his crime stains everything, Duncan. Yeah. He can't hide it. You're hiding nothing. And I, yeah, I like that he shows up. He's like, the fuck is the body I left here? <laughs> so I guess he is now under the assumption that Marty was not, in fact, dead. Yeah. The same assumption that she's under as well, though. Well, yeah, she has no idea anything is going on. And kind of ironically, um, you know, Marty has the speech to uh, Ray earlier about how, like, oh, she plays innocent, but don't be fooled by that. But she's e the most innocent character of the film. Oh, yeah, by far. Surrounded by shitty people. And she's no saint or anything, but... Um, she, she she is the one person who doesn't kill someone in this movie. <laughs> so she's now, like, there's something suspicious here, some broken glass, and some, what you would imagine is some smelly fish now. Also, that is a rock-solid uh, late 70s, early 80s jumpsuit. Oh, yeah. business up front and business in the back bro. <laughs> it's business neck to ankle that's what we're about yeah wait one second a hammer why didn't he just use the why didn't they they should know the combination by now
piecing it all together. So Ray broke in, killed Marty, <laughs> and then fished. It's a great shot, that. Oh, goodness. Such a great shot, boy. Well, well, Barry Sonnenfeld. <laughs> yeah, we'll forgive that you, is, well, that, West. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is like the Coen brothers and Sonnenfeld just throwing their cinematic dick on yeah. the table. <laughs> Look at that. Right. How you, you enjoyed the one or to the jukebox and the tracking shot over the guy passed out on the bar? Look at this, funk. <laughs> Wait till the next one. We got a lot more where that came from. Raising Arizona is basically just a series of gag shots. Yeah. But I'm kind of okay with that. It's a pretty amazing movie. It's a movie that makes you think, you know, if Nicolas Cage hadn't bought, like, what, 400 properties, got in massive debt, and is now just basically making movies in order to not be like not be consumed by banks and file bankruptcy, that guy could have probably been a bit more choosy with his movies and maybe been a bit better. Oh, sure, sure. Because, uh, you know, oh, he still turns in good Yeah, purposes. like, I, I thought Mum and Dad, we've spoken about Mom, that before, yeah. you know, like, at times you get, you get a great performance from him, but they're kind of few and far between. Right, well, he just doesn't have a chance to shine where... In every movie, he's playing a cop chasing a serial killer. <laughs> oh, man, look at this. At this Again, a nice pan shot across as the sound uh, follows. Mm. Um, I am not currently watching it in this format, but the 5.1 uh, is quite good, and the sound design in this movie is, is sparse but effective. Mm-hmm. Um What's behind the door? <laughs> Amendment Walsh has the upper hand. <laughs> Completely different movie. If it's seven, and you like Kevin Spacey was actually Amendment Walsh. You did it because you're a fruitcake. You're a weirdo. You're a psycho. I took a, <laughs> I took a present. A pretty little head. <laughs> that would, he would be amazing in that movie. Well, I gave it away, huh? <laughs> well, when I walked into the police station, threw up my arms. <laughs> Yeah, so now we now have we now have our <laughs> basically a... thinking, you know, like so we have both sides of the coin now. He's convinced, you know, that she tried to kill him, so you know, I've done this horrible deed for her. But ultimately, you know, what happens if she decides that she doesn't want me anymore? Let's let's see what she can do. And now we have her piecing everything together, this horrible crime in her, her mind, and now it's invaded the subconscious. Now she's like, she's going to have to go and have a word with him. 
but of course get everything wrong. And, of course. Uh, yeah. It's, oh man. The, I need to sit down and just read this screenplay. I bet it reads well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just a good, it, there, it's not really a mystery. It's just kind of a thriller, I suppose. Yeah. But it, it is so well constructed. You know, we talked about all the Chekhov's apartments and <laughs> guns and, and whatnot and Volkswagen Beetles. Um, <laughs> I'm taking, I'm taking off Abby hitting the road. You can't tame me. Yep. Now, now that I've tasted blood and gotten my first erection, <laughs> the way ball, the way ball voices me, I kind of sound like a deeper Jody Forest. <laughs> I know the lambs are screaming. <laughs> the the lambs are screaming. <laughs> I like her playing detective, yeah. though. Like she, I, I would watch a series that was Fargo. Abby, that's yeah. basically what, <laughs> I guess that's right. what she Fargo. did at Fargo. Once again, Rosette on did. I tell you the truth. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. But in in her mind this is all just a confession. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if you think, oh, here we go. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I know, yeah, everything just. Uh. Right, she's like, fuck it, I'm out. Yeah, it, I, 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 again the misunderstanding continues. Like she goes there to get the truth mm -hmm. and walks away with a deeper misunderstanding. Yeah. Uh. And he's like, Hey, wait a second. This isn't the way I left this room. <laughs> Did boy, this crime scene is in no way preserved at this point. <laughs> got people coming and going. We are up and down this place. We ought to be selling tickets at the door. So now he's going to come across. What? But I'm a, am I dead? I'm alive. Wait, am I a ghost haunting a body again? 
<laughs> no, no, I'm a real man. I love these shots, and every all the time we're just I like did... years later. This this thing right yeah. here. Pay attention, because this is all going to be important. I really like her, the set of her apartment with all the glass and brick and partial construction and everything, yeah. all that, the, this whole set piece is pretty damn good. Cause we are hurtling headlong towards the conclusion of this. Duncan, yes. Where Ray finally understands now that they have gotten, they have, they have really stepped in it. Uh, Duncan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a, Got a snapper raffle, see? <laughs> You're gonna be walking around on naked, people will see. Can we get another bitter laugh, maybe, John Getz? Oh. 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 <laughs> Bye, Abby. Bye, movie. And now begins the cat and mouse. Oh, what a cat and mouse game it is. Yeah, yeah. It's and I, I I always appreciate it when the characters aren't stupid. Yeah. And Abby is a good survivor. Like from this moment here where she knocks out the lights and forces uh M. Emmett Walsh to come to yeah. her. Also, uh sorry about that, John Getz. We enjoyed you in the film. Uh, thanks for <laughs> you are officially dead as fuck now. <laughs> Unceremonious, unceremoniously murdered uh, as casually as can be can you hear the footsteps I know man is there anything scarier in a movie than footsteps approaching a closed door without knowing who's behind yeah maybe the lock and the handle starting to turn while you're looking at <laughs> Again, man, they would make such a great horror movie. <laughs> what? Oh, please. Please, Coen Brothers at some point. Oh. Man, Frances McDormand plays scared real well. She's just also. a phenomenal actress. Like, genuinely. I, 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 
I love how she's getting so much attention now, but I, I just think just in general, you're that's a safe pair of hands you have when she's in a movie. Yeah, can you believe that we are almost 40 years on from this mm-hmm. film and she just won an Academy yeah. Award? You know, uh, that that's some staying power. She has had a 40-year career. Well done, Frances McDormand. I genuinely think, though, Three Billboards is one of her best performances. I think she's fucking incredible in it. I still, I'll, you know what? I'll watch that tonight. I haven't. Seen yeah, it's, it's really, really good. It's, it's, it, in fact, it's, it's embarrassing how good that movie is. All right. So yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna open the bathroom window because maybe we can escape out there, but maybe we can't escape. And now he's just—he's now double. T- I love the, the double tap that he's done there because the last body was still alive. <laughs> Right, like, hey, let's make sure. <laughs> you know, it's like the old Die of the Living Dead poster. The dead don't stay dead. This bathroom is so big, it has a dresser in it. <laughs> yeah, and the, it, it, there's a, a bit in that Cohen Brothers book I read that I did not reread to do this commentary. Um, <laughs> that that would be professional. Mm-hmm. Um, but about how a lot of these sets were constructed to make them even yeah. bigger so that uh, it always felt like people were kind of being swallowed by the space and there was distance between the characters. How, the how amazing do you have to be as a character when your gloves match your yellow suit? Man. <laughs> Pit pass player. I wonder if in the script it just says he's a big yellow runny shit. <laughs> oh, this is so... Who was it that was supposed to play this? Was it Oh, it, Dean Stockwell? I think so, yeah. Which would have been great. I Lo- love Dean Stockwell, man. but yeah, you're right. Oh, look at this. Can creeping over. This scene is just... So this is the scene that appears in the Bravo list. And he thinks he's been so clever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just reached my hand and arm. Now what's going on? Ah. Boy. You had a good oh, idea that time, man. Yes. No. Oh. As N. You know what I mean? That's N. You ain't getting those. You can't reach your hand round to get it. The only way you're getting that knife out is by tearing your hand out. <laughs> Fucking amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's a very simple effect, but it is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I'll shoot you through the fucking wall. <laughs> and the hand's still twitching. Uh-huh. It's so good. <laughs> And how do you reload with one hand, man? I'm just going to bash that wall until it caves in. Yeah, he is just an animal at this point. So good. 
fucking Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, nice editing work yeah. here as well of the cuts between the hand squirming and look at this. Uh-huh. It's like he's punching from Valhalla <laughs> the way the light's coming in. <laughs> Me and Thor need to get this knife out. <laughs> Hey, it's Chekhov's yeah. gun. <laughs> Please take the gun, Captain. <laughs> See, it's yeah, I got no clear whistle. <laughs> oh, you can just feel it. Ah, uh, oh man, this is good stuff. Oh, that feels good. That's better. Music stop, oh, no good will come of this. <laughs> so easy does it. And now I have a knife. Take the knife. <laughs> Give me the knife. <laughs> I said, I, 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 I want the knife, please. You got some good looking blood in. Runs in the family, yeah. Attractive blood, old <laughs> Walsh's habit. So now the shoes are another foot. He can hear the footsteps. So he, yeah, he has no yeah. gun, but he has an eye and a hat bull. <laughs> John Gates is dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not, didn't even get thrown up on in this movie, which is unfortunate. Un- unlike the fly. <laughs> yeah. Aim that gun and like father, like son, like hell, that son of a bitch. Yep. I don't know. At close range as a verb. One of the great all-time lines in film coming up. <laughs> oh, he's such an evil dick. <laughs> yeah. fucking love that movie man honestly man uh wow what do you say about blood simple other than uh that is a fucking movie yeah that's 
that you know that to me is like that that's the sort of movie like see when you talk about certain movies that need to be preserved for all time <laughs> blood simple is one of those movies as you know needs to be put in the smithsonian uh you know i just i i think it's i think it's a perfect movie i, I can't think yeah i yeah. can't think of anything that i don't think works in that movie like you said it's lean it's it knows exactly what it is. It's got some great performances. The dialogue's phenomenal. It's beautifully shot. Um, there are cert- there's some moments in it that are just like pure horror and terror. Uh, the characters. I just think it's ah uh, so good, so good. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree. I, the Cohen brothers are responsible. I you know I think for both of us, like we've said for some of our favorite mm. movies, like those movies that are like 10 out of yeah. 10. These are movies I will love forever. And blood simple is one of those. And even just watching it again now, every time I watch it, I I think I like it yeah. more. I agree. Yeah. It really is a, a, an incredible piece of uh, filmmaking. And, and for a freshman film, I would argue there is no better first film out there. Yeah, I, I would say I'd, yeah, that's to me that I can think of very few directors that come out swinging with a movie like that. You know, what I mean, it's their first movie. Um, I, I can't, I, I, I genuinely can't think of of any like first time director that's just like, yeah, well, here we go. Um, so Joel was born. So he was thirty when he made this movie. Hmm. All right. Uh, you know. It has enough maturity behind it that I think a 30... Being 30 sounds okay to yeah. me. I think it's more amazing that, you know... Like I said, it's almost 40 years later and everybody is operating at a high yeah. level. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. So, yeah, this movie basically performed a lot better than was expected um, and more than doubled its budget at the box office. Um, was, you know, it got some accolades back in the day, Bo. Um I have now, just according to Wikipedia, found out that there is a Chinese remake. <laughs> in December 2009, Z- Z- Zhang Yimou released a Chinese remake of the film. The film, simply titled A Simple Noodle Story, <laughs> All right. known internationally as A Woman, A Gun, and A Noodle Shop, is set in a Chinese noodle shop in a desert and revolves around the restaurant owner's plan to murder his adulterous wife and her lover. I wonder if Emmett Walsh is. Oh, that would be the grace. Yeah. <laughs> Don't champagne, <laughs> He learns Mandarin just for the, the role. Do you think, think Emmett Walsh is just a less aggressive and cranky Wilford Brimley? <laughs> I, he is far oilier, oilier yeah. than Brimley. Like, Brimley is... Dry. I, I want to go out in my He's dry. He's right, a dry man. Yeah. I want to be on the back of a horse, goddammit. I want to be in the woods. And I want I'm my just rifle. thinking, like... Emmett Walsh might be the yin to to Wilford Brimley's yang. <laughs> yeah, they could be distant brothers. 
like estranged brothers. One of them wanted the creature comforts, <laughs> clearly Emmett Walsh, and the other went back to nature. Yeah, uh, Emmett Walsh is still alive, isn't he? Oh, I, don't I think know. we can. I think he is. I think we can have that. Please tell me he's still alive. And uh, I mean, good lord, that national treasure needs to. We need to put him in. Anger. He is still alive. He's uh, eighty-three. Ah, oh, God bless him. Th- thanks for sticking with us, M.M. Walsh. Is still making movies. Right on, man. Uh, was in uh, anything recently that was real good? Oh, he was in Cavalry. Not too long ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Youth in Revolt. And it's been a while since he did anything that kind of featured him i think christmas with the crank you ready to have your mind blown one of the dads i i always he is the same age as well for brimley (laughs) i i want to see a remake of the movie (laughs) tonight is your night bro (laughs) tonight's your night bro god damn it well Gonna go have sex, <laughs> goddammit. Make an American baby. <laughs> there is probably uh, a, a tiny flag that pops out of Wilfred Rimley's dick when he comes. <laughs> like a little American flag. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, say can you see? Brimley's last movie, I think it was a voice performance, mind you, was 2016 as well, so Brimley's still doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, Brimley, I saw him in a recent interview, though, and Brimley is, he looks like he comes to Hollywood when they (laughs) I got my ranch, I like to sit on my porch, I watch the animals, and then I shoot them. Next time I come for a visit, <laughs> I'll bring you a DVD player and popular for a while. I don't, I don't need to see any goddamn movies. I was in some, I didn't like them. You know, it's even crazier. Like, M. Emmett Walsh is six years older than Dan Hedaya. So, Dan Hedaya is 77? Yeah, let that now? sink in. Wow. One of them had a well, tough he paper. just went early. Yeah, well, on. one of them had a tough paper round, and another one didn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll leave. I'll leave you to work at who's who. Yeah, it's funny that M. Emmett Walsh in that scenario, or that Dan Hedaya in that scenario, would be considered the pretty boy. <laughs> it's probably something he didn't hear a lot. <laughs> Ruin those good looks of yours today. <laughs> Oh, such a good movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, folks, thanks so much for listening. Um, that was our first ever commentary. Let us know what you thought if you want to hear us do more of those, um, you know, in between the seasons and whatnot. Because there's uh, a, a million movies that me and Bo would happily sit and discuss. Trust me. Uh, may I make a Ooh, proposal? I like it when you propose. 
I would be very excited to do Highland. Oh yeah, yeah. You know you're talking my language, Borans though. I mean, it's a Queen yeah. soundtrack. It's uh, Christopher <laughs> and Peter, <laughs> and Lord Reading is in that movie, being struck by lightning as he removes heads. Yeah, uh, sure. And uh, <laughs> and it's got the curse. Oh yeah. Which I I actually ripped a line off from that movie and threw it in a kids movie, (laughs) which was made into a film. And there is an actual line from Highlander in the kids movie that got produced. It's it's not the one where he asked the prostitute's name. Please tell me. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Such a deviant bastard. (laughs) Yeah. It is absolutely a character saying "I'm candy" and another character saying "Of course, of course you are." It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a fucking kids movie, man. Um, it's probably the the greatest thing I've ever done as an amateur. Yeah, if ever if ever that uh, it, like yeah, people let us know. Do you want to hear me and Bo talk about Highlander? The answer to that question, by the way, is yes, regardless what you say. <laughs> Even if you don't think you do, I think you do. Of course you do. Um, oh, the Connery will be amazing in that. Oh, are you kidding? And the lamp. Oh, there. just the whole movie, man. Just the whole movie. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So, um, thanks again for listening, Duncan. Anything you wanna you wanna say before we uh, we call her? Uh, we are approximately two weeks away from Westworld, so strap yourselves in, fuckers. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Totally works. That was fine. Uh, okay, yeah, Duncan's right. We'll see you in a couple of weeks uh, with Westworld, and let us w- know what you uh, what you thought of the commentary, uh, and if you would like to see more. So, until next time, until Duncan and Bo go to Westworld, uh, this is Bo Ransdell once more signing off for Duncan McLeish. Say goodnight. Good night. Good night.